Hi, and welcome back to another edition of Voices. This is the Voices.network. Uh, last week, we did episode 19, Occupy Colony. And uh, this week is the second part of our Puerto Rico special. This is episode 20, Occupy Time. And that comes from, there were four lessons learned, or that we should have learned, from the Katrina catastrophe. Uh, the first was Commander-in-Chief is required. Second is logistics. Third is where is JTF Maria? And number four is time. Time is the most important single resource to a recovery. Um, I'm glad to introduce my co-host, David. Take it away. Hey, thanks, Terry. Glad to be with you. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this program, partially because I was able to find the guest uh, that's going to kind of steer the uh, rudder of the ship on this show, uh, Nick Apostle, Nicholas Apostle's been a uh, friend of mine for a few years now and uh, has a pretty impressive resume. Uh, he's a entrepreneur and a business owner, has owned several businesses, including manufacturing operations and servicing operations. Uh, Nick is uh, a international traveler involved with many projects throughout the world. Interestingly, he uh, lived for 32 years in Puerto Rico and uh, is very fluent in Spanish and several other languages. He has a pretty extensive background uh, and uh, has actually helped to get one of the other guests on the show with us, but I'm going to have uh, Nicholas, I'm going to let you introduce your guest, but thank you for uh, being on the show with us and welcome. Uh, this should be a very interesting and provocative conversation, I'm sure. Well, thank you, David. That was uh, quite an introduction. Yes, um, I've been in Puerto Rico for going on now 30, almost 40 years, and um, along the way I had the opportunity to uh, get to know another fine gentleman who we got on the show with us today, uh, Rodriguez, uh, Rodrigo Masses, who is uh, currently the president of the Puerto Rico Manufacturers Association, which um, reaches all aspects of the island and will be one of the uh, engines that's going to put this island back together again after the this uh, disaster that we've experienced uh, in, in Hurricane Maria. Uh, welcome, uh, Rodrigo, and uh, thank you for being on the show with us. It's a pleasure and very nice to be with you guys. If what, I might uh, interrupt we, just for a moment, Nick, um, one other thing I forgot to mention, which I think is also very important for our listeners to understand and know, is your experience in the mid-1980s in a little country in Central America known as El Salvador, where you actually were a uh, key player, you ran the operation of the recovery of the uh, uh, country during the earthquake that occurred there for the uh, State Department and for the uh, government of uh, El Salvador. And I think that that's one of the things you're bringing to this story that uh, is very valuable because you've actually been at the helm of a recovery of, from a major natu natural disaster. And I think it's important that our listeners know, and you might want to share a moment about that as we begin as well. Yes, that was um, in 1986, the earthquake that killed over 3,000 people in, in El Salvador, which at the time, um, in, in many ways, is quite similar to, uh, to Puerto Rico. Um, but at the time, we were undergoing a, um, a revolution, in essence. We had the uh, guerrillas, uh, known as the FMLN at the time, who were intent on bringing the government down, and the United States was supporting it. And in the middle of that, we had this uh, dreadful uh, earthquake that occurred. And, um, you know, disasters, although you don't know when they're going to happen, you can be certain that they're going to happen. And the other thing is that although one may be a wind problem like Hurricane Maria or in the case of Salvador, it was the ground shaking and like an earthquake, they all share pretty much the same uh, characteristics. At the end, they create human misery and they destroy a lot of what we've created, and we have to uh, we have to respond to that, and we have to stabilize the situation, and then we have to restore everything back to uh, what we uh, had expected previous to the disaster. And so, those three phases are kind of what we're going to talk about today in terms of the response that occurred in in, in this case in uh, Puerto Rico, and. Uh, during that period of time of response you, is, is, is that time element that we talked about, and it's so critical. You've got to get right in there real fast 
and you've got to come in with the adequate amount of support and, and uh, logistics, and uh, you got to have your plan ready. None of this do you do on the cuff. And so, as Terry was saying, uh, how much did we really learn from things like Hurricane Andrew? How much did we learn from Hugo, from Katrina, from all these other uh, disasters that our country has experienced and places like El Salvador have experienced? And, and have we applied that? And I, and I think one way we can read the press, we can listen to the government, and we can talk to people like Rodrigo, who were there at the time and who have the ability to inform us uh, how he perceived uh, being the recipient of that support. And, um, and I thought we could start with that. What happened to the command and control? What happened to the planning? How did the communication um, get put in place to where we were able to find out what was happening? And in, in all of that, um, has, has, the, has that response resulted in our ability to reach the second phase, which is the stabilization phase, which is where we should be right now? And so with that, I thought that maybe um, we, we, could, we could learn from Rodrigo a little bit about uh, uh, the political structure that we have there, Did the, the fact that Puerto Rico is 1,200 miles away from the United States uh, have an effect uh, is there ignorance on the part of those that should have been coming to our aid? What, what, how do you see it from the perspective of somebody on the island that had this problem? Well, I, I think that we, we have to first start by saying that this is a system that is the biggest system, biggest hurricane that ever has hit, have hit a U.S. territory. So we haven't received anything like this, not in the territories or in the states ever before. So it's important to, to uh, get that fact clear. Second, with the differences, then in the case of an earthquake, it's by surprise. You don't get, you don't get informed one week before the, 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 the uh, the activity happened, okay? In the case of a hurricane, you get informed by the weather authorities about day, 10, 11 days before it happened. And it's very important to realize that Puerto Rico is prepared for all this. And I will explain myself. If you evaluate the quantity of power generators we have in place both residents, residents uh, uh, sectors and business, industrial sectors. If you evaluate the quantity of water reservoirs and equipment dedicated for this eventuality, you will realize that we are basically two times or three times what the average is in the States, okay? So we are ready for this, we are prepared for this, in terms of the construction, all the buildings, all the formal constructions, formal construction is the one that follow the construction codes. All the formal construction have no problem whatsoever in, in terms of resisting the winds and the uh, forces of this hurricane. So for example, my house, it was built following the codes, okay? I have no problem whatsoever. Now, the hurricane name is not Maria. The hurricane name that is affecting, the hurricane that is affecting Puerto Rico is the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, PREPA, which is a monopoly, the biggest utility energy utility company in the U.S., and it's a monopoly that has affected the island and have kidnapped our economic development for many years. And what I, what I before we were kind of in, in, in on, on, on the show, I told you, I told you guys that the, the hit by itself was, was, was nothing uh, 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 spectacular in terms of the damages. Of course, there were people that died, and that's very, very bad. 
and I and we feel very bad because of that. Of course, were a lot of damages in terms of the informal construction, homes being built out of the code, buildings being built out of the code. In that area, we have many losses. Okay, but everything that was built formally had no problem whatsoever. The great catastrophe came after Maria process because the fragility of the electrical grid. And that is the problem. The reason why the US and FEMA will have to invest a lot of money in Puerto Rico will be because of the fragility of our electrical grid. The reason why we have <clears throat> food crisis, transportation crisis, diesel crisis, uh, a health crisis in this scenario was just because of the fragility of a very weak electrical grid. And it's kind of a, <clears throat> a dilemma because uh, uh, typically when you have a monopoly, it should be extremely, extremely productive. And typically you make a lot of money being a, a, a monopoly. And, and in Puerto Rico, that is not the case. Well, I should say it is the case, but the money goes down down the drain instead of going into the proper investment, proper uh, evolution and transformation of the grid. <clears throat> it goes to other areas where affect or will not uh, uh, help in any way the economy uh, evolution and the uh, progress in terms of developing our business scenario. So Maria, Maria was not a problem. The problem was PREPA and is PREPA because they're very weak and they're not ready to react into any of this. We've got about seven minutes left in this section, Nick. Uh, any thoughts on what he's been talking about here? Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the, the, the fragility of the infrastructure uh, led to uh, the ability of the winds of the hurricane, um, which you know many many folks haven't experienced the hurricane, but it's it is it's an amazing um, uh, phenomenon that it's hard to describe. But I, I think that it's worthy. People should know what a, a four or five category hurricane is like. It, it would be like if you could drive your car at 250 miles an hour and put your arm out the window or your head out the window and, and get a feel for that and, and do that for about two hours or three hours, it would give you an idea. I know in my house in Puerto Rico, the winds were clocked at 223 miles an hour before my beater went off. And, and, and these are numbers that are just almost impossible for you to understand. They are similar to, a, they sound like a hurricane. A hurricane sounds like a freight train that is just continuously going over over on top of you and and it's frightening and it's scary while the electric grid is is, is an important part of the infrastructure though uh, rodrigo um, i think we have to understand that a good portion of the of the houses that that were destroyed especially on the inside of the island were not of the formal structure they were not of the approved if you will uh, recent code uh, type of structures so there was a lot of damage. I mean, Maria did a lot of damage when it, when it, it was the, the the real cause of our pain today. It's not the point. The point is that there was a lot of damage. And the fact that we can't recover as fast as we should is because of the electric power grid. The question is, did did we learn from FEMA? And did, our, did we come in and respond? Did FEMA respond adequately? Did we get water and food out there? Did we get... Did we, deal with the with the uh, health issues with the crises appropriately during that uh, that that response period that initial period that's that's really what we we want to we, we want you to comment on did you uh, how did you see it did you feel that this was done adequately oh well yes i i think that there you know the response in terms of uh, uh the federal government and the state government uh, it is difficult to to handle and answer that question because uh, 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 there's not that much information. Uh, I saw many, many, uh, uh, many army people, many uh, uh, people that that come from the army and come from the U.S. and many FEMA personnel 
that are helping very in, in different areas and different sectors. So I believe that the reaction was fast. Remember, I, I make a, a, a point, making a difference, Nick, between a earthquake and a hurricane. A hu the, the hurricane allows you to be prepared. So my point, if I have to answer the, this question, my point will be, listen, I, I don't think how good, how good it was, but, but the reality is that probably it's always uh, could be better. And, and yeah. knowing what we know right now, I believe that in the future, uh, we should, by, the, by, by, by all means, set ourselves on, on a better scenario in order to, to, yeah. to be uh, uh, ready to respond immediately. Yeah, I think that you, this is a good point that should be made also. Hurricanes do give you the luxury of preparation. And in this case, I, I personally feel that there was less preparation than probably was, was called for under the circumstances. But we must also remember that, that Puerto Rico had just, just undergone Hurricane uh, Irma, not two weeks before. So um, the, the, the question is, is really, did, did, did we learn from that? And did we take that into consideration? And did we have the resources on the ground at the time when, when we really needed it? I, and I think a lot of us got caught flat-footed, uh, not only on that score, but as Rodrigo pointed out, I think we underestimated how bad the infrastructure uh, had gotten to the point where we didn't realize that it was, it, it, it probably would have taken a Category 2 hurricane and we would have had total destruction. Got about yes, uh, three minutes uh, left uh, in, uh, in this okay. section, guys. Well, I think that that, you know, I think we've, we've, we've learned that that some sectors of Puerto Rico responded well. Uh, I think Puerto Rico was probably ready, more ready than I would like to be here in South Florida, for example. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think we would do quite as well here. But um, the bottom line is that that uh, the, the, the the chief catastrophe. Uh, and the reason we get these news reports of no electricity to 80% of the population at this point uh, is, is, is not so much a result of the hurricane as it was a result of the debility of the electrical system and, the inter and, and how dependent we are on an, an infrastructure and an electrical infrastructure that simply collapsed. Not the generation of power so much, but the distribution of that power. And I think that's why that's where we've seen the biggest problem that, we, that we're currently uh, uh, yes, and maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you should explain, Nick, what distribution is, because people, not everybody understands what distribution is. So you have generation, which is the uh, basically the uh, 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 equipment that generates the energy, and then you have transmission, which is all the uh, uh, system that uh, goes right. for, from the generator to the uh, uh, areas, where finally you get distribution, who is all the cables that goes to your home or to your businesses in order to right. finally get the product. So, and we have so, that eternal uh, argument here in, in our country, here in, in, in Florida, for example, we have this continuous discussion of putting the distribution lines underground so they're not affected by, um, by this kind of a, of a natural disaster. And this is a discussion that's going on now. Do you, do, everybody running around replacing poles and replacing cables, replacing wires, so that it's going to be exactly like it was before? Or are we going to be able to take advantage of this situation and move forward in our in our recovery phase to replace the electrical distribution system, but in a way that we will not have to suffer uh, this kind of uh, debility in the future? And that's and that's a very good point, Nick, because uh, it is clear that we have to restore the power in order, you know, to stop the bleeding. But at the same time whatever we do, all the fixing we are doing should be able to transition to a modern and more effective structure. Yes, and, and that doesn't mean solar power necessarily or some alternative means of generating power, as, as I think there's been a lot of a discussion. It, that certainly is part of the discussion. But uh, I think there's a misnomer that Puerto Rico doesn't have the ability to generate power, and, and that's, that's not actually true. Um, but let's go. Uh, let's go to the break, and then uh, we'll come back with uh, with with with, uh, with the uh, second phase. If I might interrupt and just share one other thing, I think it's important to share on this first segment, and that is the resiliency of the Puerto Rican people themselves. I think is another critical component 
of uh, what I've learned over the last week or so in putting together the show, uh, that probably is as much of a uh, asset in Puerto Rico as anything else that's there. Would you guys both agree with that? Absolutely. 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 If I had to go through a disaster, I'd love to go through a disaster with Puerto Ricans practically more than anybody else. (laughs) That's for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Harry? Can we go ahead and move into our second section now? Uh, Nick, go ahead and lead us out if you would. Okay. Yeah. On the, the second section was really the stabilization that's that's been taking place, uh, which is which is the the follow on to the to the initial uh, uh, the initial response, and there's been there's been some commentary about the um, the the, the, the recovery of the infrastructure and the humanitarian needs that are being addressed, such as the, the medical, the uh, provision of water and food and shelter, uh, where, where we get a lot of coverage on that. Um, and and we, we look at it now 30 days into this process. And we wonder if the, um, has Puerto Rico been treated like, like it would have been, let's say, if you were in the, the United States, Florida or Texas, or has, uh, has there been a, advertently or inadvertently and an attempt to look at Puerto Rico more as a colonial uh, holding and um, and 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 so that the the recovery that we're experiencing is is been, has been more directed in that manner um, you know I have to ask things like why are there no blue tarps they haven't arrived yet they're still they're still on the way uh the people of Puerto Rico are so have been so patient uh quite honestly I don't think it would have been the same had that occurred here and so we need to see what what is what is the role of the government and the private sector uh in in affording that stabilization process and making it happen and we have of course our guest um Rodrigo Massas who's president of the uh of the Puerto Rico Manufacturers Association, what better to tell us the private sector response and, and how he sees the involvement of the private sector in that portion of the response. And, and by the way, I wanted to ask you, Rodrigo, some of the things that we, we, we have seen um, has been the intent of the government to continually uh, try to keep a hold of its its role as government and uh, the imposition of some of the uh, some of the technological uh, conversions that we've experienced over the last few years in Puerto Rico. Specifically, uh, I remember the Department of the Treasury announced that they uh, they were going to waive some of the rules and regulations for for um, for businessmen, uh, but they had to send an email into the uh, Department of Treasury to get the uh, the waiver immediately issued. When at the, at that point you had probably 12% of the population had access to communications and, and less than less than 20% had electricity. Isn't that a little bit absurd to sort of try to cling to these, these uh, technological aspects of our, of our governance in the face well, that's of, a, of that, that disaster? There, there is, there is a, 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 a term, a new term that I believe was born after this hurricane named catastrophe. Technological catastrophe, catastrophe, and the and the thing is that none of us, none of us were kind of uh, anticipating the fact that most of the communication was going to was going to fell down and broke break down, and 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 basically the thing is that the telecommunications are supported by energy, so if there's no power. Okay, they are are good. They're good to go. They're good to go for some hours because they do have battery backups. But once that goes away, then you're by your own. And when we wake up next morning after Maria, I have, and most of us were equipped to work things out. For example, I went out with my wood saw to cut trees and start to open the road. And most of the communities did the same. The government municipalities helped us big time. They were the first responders of the situation. 
and uh, 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 everything was kind of uh, on the way, with the exception of the telecommunications that were broke down. And, and that's something very, very difficult to overcome because you are basically, basically uh, held by yourself or whatever you are. So, so there's no communication whatsoever. And, and today, today, in order to have this, uh, 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 this interview, I have to find where in the island I do have a better, a better signal because it's, a, it's, it's, it's something strange that you could get a phone call doing by four or five minutes without without a problem. So another thing that we learn is that it is important to have redundancy in many equipment and in the telephone system and in the telecommunication as well. It is a, a very important element. So we have to combine the modern elements of telecommunication with the conventional cable systems in order to go through these kind of uh, uh, urgencies. Yeah, and I think this points out that uh, some of the things that we were talking about with uh, uh, Patrick uh, last week uh, on the show, that uh, the implementation of technocracy and, and the application of, of, of technocracy, both the little t and the big t, um, it has and meets its match when it comes to a disaster such as, as what was experienced in Puerto Rico. And it shows that the, the reliance on pure technocracy uh, is, is, uh, can be a very dangerous thing. And in this case, you 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 have put your finger on on uh, on on it and, and it's a good term and I hope we can we can we can bring that term to uh, to Patrick's attention, but anyway the um, the 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 other thing that it points out is that it's the strength of the people. Uh, I believe Terry wasn't there um, a quote today that uh, that Puerto Rico will uh, will 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 respond because of the strength of it, the spirit of its people that will is, is what's really going to recover. Uh, the island was. Yeah, we'll yeah. have a link well, to that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, well, yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. By the way, on the manu on the manufacturing sector, uh, uh, all the what we call the high caliber uh, plants, they all have their contingency plants, and and they were uh, basically up and running very close, very very soon. Uh, uh, so so uh, uh, those companies, full of Puerto Rican human resources, uh, those companies built around the Puerto Rican management, they all, they all were prepared and they all were up and running very, very fast, very fast. So and they were helping their people as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, for sure. Most of those companies were, first of all, uh, are going through the whole list of employees. Some of these companies have 50, or 500 or 5,000, okay, and 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 they were uh, 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 responsible enough in order to uh, go and, and and look for each one of them, each one of them, and uh, uh, in terms of the responsibility and the response to their own people was fantastic, was unique, and uh, I have to tell you that the headquarters out of Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, basically, and uh, this is basically a, a general, uh, 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 this applied to all of them, have been extremely, extremely responsible, extremely responsive, and uh, uh, very, very helpful to all of the companies and all of the management down the island. So uh, the team com uh, combined by the uh, uh, home offices and the local companies or multinational companies in Puerto Rico, they, they did great, and they're doing a beautiful job. We've got about 10 minutes left in this section, and we'll have a, uh, a video, a really good interview with Elizabeth. Uh, she couldn't sure. be with us because of a hurricane-related, one of those constant little emergencies that keep popping back up. But she was saying, and, and in the interview, they were talking about the pharmaceutical industries are back up and running. They are getting their employees through the roads. Um, can you that that seems to be a bottom-up approach as opposed to a top-down, just give orders and 
Can you kind of tell us more about that? That's a success story. Oh, oh, oh indeed. I mean, uh, uh, the pharmaceutical medical device and most of the manufacturers uh, have a commitment. I mean, you have a pipeline of orders that have to be served. And in order to, to comply with your uh, different contracts, you need to be sharp and be on time. And I could certainly uh, tell you that that's the case. Most of our companies, uh, against all odds, have been back in, in, in up and running, and they are fulfilling other commitments. So How are they doing that? Story. How, how again, are they doing again, it? They, 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 they were prepared. They got their own power generation. They, they have the uh, water reservoirs. They have their continuous implants uh, to get even gasoline to the anthology. That's what the first crisis was gasoline, because uh, uh, most of the gas stations were down. So by asking and ordering and instructing your employees to have your car full, okay, uh, uh, helps them a lot in order to uh, uh, get their employees back as soon as possible. So, I mean, uh, we are used to the hurricane season, so we are fully prepared for this. What we, what we cannot be prepared for is to uh, go over and, and cover the fragility of this electrical grid that is creating uh, uh, all this uh, damage post Maria. Because again, a power generate uh, a power generation is 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 good for some you know for some time. You can you can ask your machine uh, uh, to run as a heavy duty equipment. So so these these uh, power generators are working 24/7. They they in and they out, and of course, despite the maintenance and despite having electrical engineers and technicians working on on top of it, you know, it's it's, it's a it's a it's, it's a tough task to ask. So so uh, uh, all the contingencies plan were lined up, and that's why uh, all our sectors were up and running very fast. But but there are challenges uh, uh, still related to the to the power and to the energy uh, uh, production of receiving. If I might, if I might uh, respond to what you just said there with a little bit of an anecdotal uh, example of some of the challenges. Um, I have a couple of friends here in America that are Puerto Rican, uh, Carlos and uh, Wanda, and they actually took uh, money to their family in Puerto Rico because they, um, the ATM machines weren't working, so they brought money uh, on a plane over to their family so that they could get gasoline in order to run their generator. And one of the things that Wanda told me was that there is a difficulty, not with the larger corporations that have contingency plans, but many of the smaller businesses that were devastated by the hurricane and the aftermath of it, uh, that uh, that is still a little bit of a problem uh, for the recovery of some of the smaller, what we call ma and pa or brick and mortar uh, businesses and communities is that is that a correct assessment um is there still oh, it, somewhat uh, of a challenge is, for the smaller is, companies it is it is and that concerns me a lot i'm very very uh, affected by uh, uh the chances uh, uh, that we may run into huge crisis because many good people many small businesses won't be back after this the, again because of the time from Maria to recovery. And that is, again, all our problems go back to energy and the yep. power authority of Puerto Rico. And, let, and, let, and I think I should, I, I should, I should not, I, we cannot let this program finish without you guys asking me or permitting me to present the solution of all this. Yeah, that and, is actually uh, part you, three. That's part three of the of this uh, of this show is okay. going to be where to, where we're going forward and that that we're very interested in. I think it's worthy of note that you know I've got I've lived in Puerto Rico for I don't know forty years, and I will tell you that in my experience the Puerto Rican is the quintessential entrepreneur. It, it seems that over the years that I've been there, it, it if there's an, a business opportunity. Somehow or another, Puerto Rico, Puerto Ricans have a nose for it, and and so every block you had some guy 
doing uh, his own business and starting his little business. And I think the self-employed quantity of people self-employed in Puerto Rico is, I don't know what the percentage is, but it has to be pretty high. And and that is the sector that we're most concerned with in terms of, of, of being able to withstand uh, this this disaster. But and that's, by the way, anywhere you go, not just in Puerto Rico. And so I'm, I'm uh, wondering uh, from from that perspective, um, how these people are being treated, how are are these the ones that are leaving the island in your in your estimation or are these the people uh, who will form part of the backbone of the recovery? Well, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm sure that the, you know, the, the recovery process will have, will have many aspects and many steps and, 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 and many, you know, chapters. And there's going to be different groups that will uh, come into action uh, as, as required. And, and, and there is going to be uh, many actors that, that will, uh, without any doubt, will be essential to the recovery. And, and, and I hope that's the case, and I am sure that will be the case. Okay. So how much time do we have left on this, uh, Terry, or can we move on to the next section? We've got about three minutes left. Uh, okay. I'd, I'd like to make the observation here that what uh -huh. we're hearing from you being on site, as, as opposed to the impressions that we get from listening to our government, the federal government, uh, who's portraying this as the, the Puerto Ricans are going to be some kind of a load for the rest of America, as opposed to the reality we're getting from you is that, hey, you guys can take care of yourselves. Could you kind of, again, that's the point that is not being said here because most Americans have no idea what what Puerto Ricans are like. May, can you, may can I you add to that, that, Terry, to the Please. question? And that is, would you also address the issue of even those that leave and go to the mainland because they got family in New York or in Miami or in some other part of east coast or somewhere in the country that's only the same way that it would happen isn't it uh if uh we had an incident in florida and we had to get out of the area temporarily because we lost our home uh pull that into the conversation too i think it's an important element that uh we need to keep in mind yes very definitely that is that is another important part when you're a boricua when you're you you, you feel this passion about being boricua and so while a number of, of people are, are leaving Puerto Rico because of the of the disaster and, and many of who have lost their homes or the, the comfort of life, uh, I, my personal belief is that a number of those will be uh, coming back uh, once things stabilize and the and, and things get better. Because, you know, it's just uh, it's built into the blood of, of, of a Puerto Rican. If you're Puerto Rico, you're from Puerto Rico. You are Boricua. You are proud of it. And you are, it's almost a nationalistic type sentiment. Uh, do, do you sense that? No, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, uh, I, I suppose that every culture, every nation uh, is proud of themselves. And uh, in, all, in all countries, and in all cultures, you have many studies about heroism and about people trying to overcome uh, uh, the difficult, the life difficulty. So, so yes, indeed, the, the, the resilience of the Puerto Rican people is is important, is fundamental, is phenomenal. But, but don't forget that here we have a Puerto Rico is a cosmopolitan uh, 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 society. So we have people from India, Germany, many U.S., uh, many Americans. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a, the, the, our our business community is very diversified: Irish, yeah. Germans. Uh, so so all of them, all of the group that we have here, have uh, put together a strong effort in order to go forward and in order to to uh, progress and 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 and, and succeed. So, and it's uh, and it's, it's very it's different. It's very different from the, what happened in the 1950s when you had a mass exodus of people from Puerto Rico to the mainland, mainly because of the economic opportunities. The, the, the oh, makeup oh, yes, of, by all means, by yeah, all means, very different. Yeah. So I, I don't by want all means, as a matter of fact, 
Hacer Mario Fat now the Exodus is being based by basically it's based on on health and on 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 prudence. For example, my mother is with my sister in Rochester, Minnesota. Okay, because my sister worked in the Mayo Clinic and my mother was caught in in the middle of all this visiting my sister, so she stayed there. My mother-in-law is on Maryland on my sister-in-law uh, home, uh, and she's there because we felt concerned for her health. So there is a an exodus basically focused on uh, more in the elderly, elderly, okay, and basically because of of prudency, okay, more than anything else. But uh, uh, I'm sure that that the productive part of the uh, uh, of the you know population is here is standing up to the circumstances and will and, and will succeed. Yeah, I think so too. We've got about that, uh, 19 minutes left in the show. Okay. And my own personal impression, uh, I've kind of lost my objectivity that I'm supposed to have as a reporter after watching this story for since before the hurricane hit. I've grown to love Puerto Ricans. Uh, can you, uh, are you going to recover? That's the next section. Yeah. Yes, the final section is that after you have stabilized a situation following a disaster anywhere under any circumstance, uh, then comes the recovery phase, the recovery period. It can be short, it can be long, it all depends on really what, what, what has occurred. In the case of Puerto Rico, the recovery will be both long and short. Uh, the, 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 the more immediate will be very short. Uh, I think that resiliency will will come through, and uh, and I believe the resources will be will will eventually make its way to Puerto Rico without any doubt. Um, the long term is 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 the scar will the scar that has been created will it heal well, and the long term will be how well we are able to recover, as we talked about earlier by by taking advantage of new technologies and 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 new systems. And, and rebuilding our electrical infrastructure and our communications infrastructure with the most modern and up-to-date technology that exists, so that hopefully, uh, taking that into account, we won't uh, have to suffer this uh, this uh, this uh, this kind of uh, of a disaster. Uh, should we have another hurricane, and and we will, there will always be another hurricane. Uh, and South Florida should be listening very carefully to this show because it's. It's going to be their turn sooner or later. But anyway, back to that. Um, I think that that restoration, uh, there, there were comments on our last show that, um, that Puerto Rico uh, uh, was going to be down and out for the, for the count. Um, and, and I would say anything but that. And there's no one better than, than the president of the uh, Manufacturers Association to comment on that because at the end of the day, it is the private sector, it is the human condition that will make that recovery happen and we'll make it a better place uh if it's going to be recovering it's going to be a better place than it was before but it's going to be the private sector that leads that charge and um i, I think rodrigo we could we could probably hear from you because one thing we don't want to do here is we don't want to find that we wrecked our car and we go out and replace it with one exactly the same we want to go out and we want to buy a new car that's really the, the newest thing on the block, and, and, and we have that opportunity uh, to invest wisely in that recovery portion. What can you tell us about that, and how will yes, uh, the how will the debt crisis that Puerto Rico was um, was struggling with, how will Promesa, how will the, our political status, Puerto Rico's political status, affect the ability for us to recover? Well, I think that uh, it's very important to watch what the Congress is going to be doing on Mr. President, Mr. Trump agenda in terms of tax reform. And we we have to uh, uh, be aware that it's critical that Puerto Rico is being treated with with fairness in that tax reform. And, and, and all we are asking 
The only thing we are asking is that we are considered U.S. for the purpose of any tax reform. So that's the only thing we're asking. We the, the, the employees in Puerto Rico are U.S. citizens. The companies in Puerto Rico, most of them are U.S. companies. Puerto Rico is part of the United States. So when Trump, when President Trump talked about bringing manufacturing back, Puerto Rico is part of that plan of making America great again. When President Trump punish or, or, or criticize manufacturing-based erosion, we back that up. We want manufacturing to stay in the U.S. soil. When President Trump talked about taxing round-tripping, we, we approach that and we support that, okay? And even though we do not want to affect anyone on the multinational tax ecosystem, okay, we want to be treated as we should because we are part of the U.S. So in that tax reform, Puerto Rico must be exempt from anything that does not apply the U.S. So we hope that we, that we are going to uh, uh, have a, a, a decent treatment in that uh, a process. And that's very important because that is something that will happen in the next six, seven, eight months. I believe that for President Trump, this is critical in order to, uh, 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 you know, uh, keep pushing the economy forward. And uh, it is critical for Puerto Rico to be part of that. That's well, one let's point. Let's put Second that into point, in, Well, before you go on from there, just a second, let's bring into that uh, into that what you're saying. Uh, let's remember, uh, our listeners need to remember that in Puerto Rico, the minimum wage applies. In, in Puerto Rico, you have the same aspects of, uh, of Social Security and, and, and uh, Medicare and all of these kinds of applications that we have here. Well, don't, forget, don't forget EPA, OSHA, and what have you. Absolutely. So, so the, the, the notion that somehow Puerto Rico is someplace you can go and get cheap labor or something like that should, should be uh, discarded immediately. The other, one, the other issue is the, the Jones Act, which requires that all uh, materials and, and imports and, and, and ocean-going uh, uh, materials brought to Puerto Rico have to go on, a, on a, an American flag ship. And, and this, does not, uh, this, is a, this is a criteria that's been applied to, to Puerto Rico that doesn't uh, actually apply to um, to the United States. And as we talked about in our previous show, that uh, the Jones Act in some respects kind of mirrors the uh, mercantilism of the uh, British uh, on the American colonies back in the day when uh, all the ships had to be East India Company uh, British flag ships. And uh, <clears throat> that ended, that ended uh, badly for the British in that uh, we had a revolution over that. Uh, it seems that uh, there's uh, an incredibly higher cost that is uh, imposed on the Puerto Ricans because of that particular law, and uh, it might be a good time to be looking at that to determine whether that's uh, antiquated and needs to be uh, uh, changed or um, which eliminated. Is, which is what Rodrigo is 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 referring to when he's talking to. Uh, to, to us and, and saying that all we ask for is to be treated the same. We want we want equality in, in terms of the treatment as because we are because we are a country that is part of the United States. We should be treated the same way. And, and here, at least one thing that is definitely not the same. Let's go on to point two that you had, Rodrigo. Yes, uh, the the second point is, of course, uh, how can we approach the electrical revolution we need? in order to progress. And uh, I, I, I'm going to mention, you know, a few fundamentals. One is we need a strong regulatory framework in order to provoke and promote private investment, okay? That's one. And, and, and with a good regulatory framework, the, the private investment will be protected and will be allowed. We need competitiveness. We need a, a competitive market, okay? We need uh, 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 the adequate ways of generate good energy, okay? Uh, so, so 
a strong and effective modern regulatory framework with a very strong and well put together, well financed regulatory entity. Those two things are very important. And finally, and this is what we are trying to do and we are and how are we approaching this, is we are going to present a map to the House of Representatives, basically to the uh, subcommittee on energy of the insular uh, uh, first committee in the house. Uh, and we will present this map that is basically step by step what we are asking the Congress people to act in amendment, the PROMESA Act, so they order through the oversight board the necessary actions to revolutionize and create a huge transformation into the electrical grid. And that is the way that we believe we could make things happen. It's not by uh, uh, creating more different uh, uh, titles and the electrical side or the electrical chief or whatever. We need, we need step by step what has to be achieved. And we need that to be executed properly as soon as possible. So we're trying to, and this, this may create some kind of uh, uh, history because typically federal law is general, don't go into uh, specific uh, and, and don't, don't, does not micromanage anything. And what we are trying to accomplish here is a micromanage process into the electrical revolution of Puerto Rico, trying to save and to finally have what we need in order to progress. And this is very important because if we don't modernize all the electrical aspects of our living, what will happen is every other year when we are affected by hurricanes, okay, FEMA and the U.S. budget will bleed five, six, seven, eight billion trying to solve the problems that we will still have. So in order to, to, be, to be effective, we have to solve this, but also in order to be fiscally effective. effective. Responsible. So that's, yes. that's, yes, that's, that, there you go. Thank you, Nick. Okay. So that's my, my contribution in terms of those two aspects. When, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the issue here is that, without any doubt, the resurrection of the island um, economically and 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 in any, every other way is 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 linked inextricably with uh, the stabilization of the infrastructure and the the restructuring the rebuilding and, and uh, of an electrical grid that's adequate to the needs of the people and the industry. This, by definition, requires investment, and you have to have a a you have to create uh, an environment which is of interest to the private sector to invest. That means you have to minimize the risks, especially political risks and, and the like, and you have to create an environment that's going to be in, interesting for, for a return on that investment. But it, hanging around over that is the so-called Puerto Rico debt um, crisis, much of which comes from and stems from the default on the bonds from the, uh, from the electrical authority. Uh, everybody admits that it was mismanagement. Everybody admits that there was all sorts of corruption and, 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 and mismanagement involved. Uh, and that's past history. In the future, uh, as Rodrigo says, we, we need to implement and put in place, and I think with the current governor um, that may have a chance, uh, is that that, uh, that structure is, is being implemented, whereby there will be a proper um, atmosphere in which to invest. But if you still have a lot of debt hanging around, and if we don't have uh, proper consideration in the new tax laws to where there is interest to invest in Puerto Rico, uh, I very much uh, wonder as to how successful we will be. In the, in, about five in, minutes, about five minutes left, y'all, uh, okay. and and I think we're back to once again uh, the human side of this story that right now there is a looming uh, disaster 
right over the horizon if we don't start getting clean water to people. Um, how do we keep people alive in the in the short term so that we can do the long term? Uh, yeah, that uh, that's that goes back to what you're supposed to be doing in the in the in the very first phase of of uh, response, and that is you you have to address the humanitarian needs in that order. And it starts with the medical needs to save lives, and it goes on to water, and then food, and then shelter. Uh, to what degree the population of Puerto Rico is affected by that in reality, as opposed to what the press would like us to hear or what the government wants us to hear, uh, are, 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 is a subject that uh, I, uh, Rodrigo can perhaps comment on because he's there. Uh, to what degree is that suffering continuing? To what degree um, is the access to all the communities been re-established? Uh, not a few days ago. Well, well of course, of course not. Of course not. Still, I mean, I think that there is there is many things being working and many things being approached, but still a long way to go. Uh, when you, for example, talked about grocery stores, you mentioned the cash catch catch machines. That's 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 a problem because of telecommunications. That's a problem because no power. So we will we we go back to power. Grocery stores. They said. We got about 70 or 80% of the grocery store up and running. Well, yeah, that's that's true, but they don't have they don't have cooling systems. So the inventory they are uh, keeping is the minimum because they got to be you know prudent on not losing money on an inventory that will fail, that the will that will be damaged if if the energy goes again or the power generation uh, the power generator didn't work. Okay, so. So there are there is a long way to go. The gas stations, that area, is fixed, and there's no more lines of people trying to get gas, and that's something that is being totally fixed. But everything else, uh, uh, supermarkets are, are ten times better than the week after Maria, but still a challenge. Uh, diesel and the access to diesel still still a challenge, but this you know nowadays. You could you could get diesel. Problem is that you could get diesel, but like in my case, uh, some time ago, your power generator broke because it's not being designed and built to work 24 seven. So yeah. again, there's many things being approached, but there is a long way to go. And let me tell you, in the case of the hospitals, there is also a huge challenge because they're working with, uh, most of them already have power back, but but because it's very fragile, the infrastructure, the power could go away again. And therefore, you have power generators suffocated that may not work. So there's a lot of, a lot of things going at the same time uh, uh, in, in, in most of the uh, uh, sectors of the Puerto Rican Puerto Rican life, uh, and we have to approach those. We have to work with those. And let me tell you, maybe more people have died after Maria than be, be than in the process of Maria. People that uh, uh, was caught uh, in the middle of situations without energy, without gas. Uh, uh, people that that need a ventilator and and didn't have the power. People that need dialysis and didn't have the power, people that uh, uh, you know went through very very difficult scenario. I, uh, the president of the Energy Committee of the Manufacturers Association, mother, died in the emergency uh, 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 in the emergency room of of an hospital because of <clears throat> no power. <clears throat> so <clears throat> my point is that there we we have progress a lot. But there is a long way to go. We've got uh, 30 but, but again, seconds I, left. I, I think that what we can draw from this is that Puerto Rico uh, is not in danger of collapse. Puerto Rico will come back. Puerto Rico is, is in the process. We could have done a better job, but every disaster I've ever been involved with, at the end, you always sit down and say, we could have done a better job. And let's hope that the next time 
we do a better job, and let's hope the next time we're better prepared as a result. Yes, indeed. And, uh, the, uh, the Puerto Rican community is here. Uh, uh, they are they are working hard, and 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 there's no doubt that uh, we will succeed. And you know, and again, we want to play. We want to play a strong and active role. Keeping America great. 